And I really didn't know this either until Izzy died. I mean, I think we look at grief as this season of getting over loss. And it's just not. That's not it at all. It's a season of getting used to loss. So we tend to think that grief is something that once we go through, we're going to recover and we're going to go back to the way we were before. But there's never a going back to the way we were before. I think anyone that has lost someone deeply would agree that you're the person that you were when they were alive and then you're the person that you were after they died. And so I just think it's so empowering to see it like that and to frame it like that and to give yourself permission to be this new version of you. This isn't a gloom and doom sentence. This is permission to be the new version of you, this version of you that will always carry loss. Welcome to Difficult Conversations, lessons I learned as an ICU physician with Dr. Anthony Orsini. Dr. Orsini is a practicing physician and president and CEO of the Orsini Web. As a frequent keynote speaker and author, Dr. Orsini has been training healthcare professionals and business leaders how to navigate through the most difficult dialogues. Each week, you will hear inspiring interviews with experts in their field who tell their story and provide practical advice on how to effectively communicate. Whether you are a doctor faced with giving a patient bad news, a business leader who wants to get the most out of his or her team members, or someone who just wants to learn to communicate better, this is the podcast for you. Welcome to a special episode of Difficult Conversations, Lessons I Learned as an ICU Physician. This is not Dr. Anthony Orsini. This is Liz Perrette Christ, Managing Director of the Orsini Way, and I will be your host this week. Today, I have the special privilege of introducing you to Molly Maddox. Molly is a writer and end-of-life grief coach from Nobles, Indiana. She was an associate pastor for nearly a decade before becoming a full-time caregiver to her three-year-old daughter, Izzy, who was diagnosed with neuroblastoma. Molly helped Izzy live for nearly a decade until she finally helped her die in April of 2021. Molly is now dedicated to helping shift the cultural narrative around death because she believes our ability to embrace death is intricately woven into our ability to embrace life. Dr. Orsini and I have had many conversations on this show about the importance of end-of-life discussions with amazing guests like B.J. Miller and hospice nurse Julie. Although incredibly sad and often uncomfortable, we agree with Molly that the conversation about our successful ability to transition out of this world is deeply connected to how we exist in this one. I was first introduced to Molly when I came across her Instagram page, Letters on Living After Loss. In the insightful, heartbreaking, and inspiring letters that Molly writes to Izzy, we see the indescribable heartbreak of a grieving mom trying to learn how to live without her daughter. It is a tale no parent should have to tell, but sadly one that many do. According to the American Cancer Society, roughly 10,000 children will be diagnosed with cancer this year. Molly's Instagram page is a tribute to her beautiful daughter and a heartbreaking window into her soul. Talking about living with profound grief in ways that anyone can understand and her unique perspective has made me look at my own grief in a completely different way. I checked Molly's page almost daily and was inspired to reach out and ask her to be on the show. I'm so glad that she said yes because I'm amazed by her grace and her strength and I believe our audience will be better for knowing her just like I have been. Welcome to the show, Molly. Hi. 
So glad to have you here. So every show we ask our guests to tell us a little bit about themselves so the audience can get to know you better. Tell us a little bit about you and how you got here. Yeah, so I'm a mom. I live in central Indiana. I have two kids. I have a son. He's almost 17. And then my daughter, Izzy, died just over two years ago. So Izzy was sick with cancer for about nine years, I viewed as the fight. She was sick for 10 years. So nine years, I kind of viewed as our fight. And the last year, I kind of viewed it as our surrender. And so walking that last year with her really just changed my whole perspective on death and on life, really. And after she died, I started writing about it online. So I started writing her letters every day. The first letter I wrote was, I think, two days after she died. And then I just wrote my last letter in March. And so there were 365 in total. So I'm going to publish them. I'm all excited. Before we get to the letters, and they are incredible, and I encourage everyone to log into Molly's Instagram to read them. It'll really change your life. Can you tell us a little bit about Izzy? Yeah. Izzy was full of energy and passion. So she loved the things that she loved and she hated the things that she hated. She truly just was almost like a sponge. Some of my family has described her as. She soaked up everything in this life. So she loved animals. Cats were her favorite, but really all animals. She loved being outside. She loved being active and hiking. And she was just a lover of nature, really. And talk to me about the letters. What made you think to start writing them? And what made you decide to put them on social media? You know, what I found during most of our cancer journey, I had originally carrying bridge and that didn't last very long for me. And so I ended up doing a blog and then I shifted to social media when this became more a more permanent part of our life. But I found that writing and just posting after we would have appointments or scans really allowed me to kind of take everything that we've been given and just kind of organize it and make sense of it and process it and then set it aside. And so my regular posting, I found, was just really a healthy coping mechanism for me. And I didn't know what to do after she died. And so I wrote her a letter in my journal on that first day. And then the next day, I don't know, I didn't know what to say to my followers online I felt like I should say something. And so I just thought, what if I just wrote a letter out here? Yeah, it was just incredible. Then afterwards, the way people began to gravitate to them. And then as they began to gravitate and as they began to say, I was articulating things that they felt that they didn't know how to say about their own loss. It just became this very beautiful reciprocal process where through my writing, I was grieving, I was processing my loss figuring out all of these hard things. And I was providing the same thing for other people as well. What was something that you learned about yourself through this process of being so upfront and honest about your grief for the world to see that you may not have thought of before? There's a quote that I've read that's about suffering, but I have kind of adapted it to grief. And that's, I think, deep loss increases our capacity. So it increases what we're able to hold, but it decreases our tolerance. So it decreases what we're willing to hold. And so I think initially, up until Izzy died, there was this huge part of me 
is in most people that cares what other people think, <laughs> you know, greatly. Yeah. And I think in losing Izzy, I just, all of a sudden I didn't care anymore. If someone didn't like what I was saying or they were critical of my letters, that's fine, whatever. It literally just didn't have a lasting impression on me. So yeah, I didn't struggle with being out with my heart at all because I just didn't care what anybody thought. So I've been on this journey with you for a little while now, and I know you had initially transitioned to doing some coaching, but in our conversation just a few minutes ago, a new venture is coming up that I'm really excited for you to share with the audience. So why don't you start with what made you think about going into coaching and then how this new position has evolved for you? So from the letters and then the letters grew into this platform and this community online, on Instagram. And then I began to connect with so many other people through Greece and so many other moms that were in the process of losing children. And they began asking me questions because Part of what was really important to me in my letters was to say the things that everyone wants to say, but no one does. And so as I began to do that, then people felt like they could ask me questions, like just the really hard end of life questions. It started to be like a daily thing where I was messaging with multiple moms who are at end of life with their kids. And I just started thinking like, maybe there's something in this. Maybe there can be a space here where I can support people in a non-clinical way. And so from that, I just said, let's just see what happens. So I'll take on five coaching people. And I had more than five that signed up. And then it's just kept going. I think, you know, I'm not a counselor. I look at myself more like a spiritual teacher. And so to have a few sessions to just sit down with someone and help them hold the horribleness that they're holding and help them find a way to carry it has just been a really beautiful thing. And so I've just continued to explore more and more of what that could look like. I think that's amazing because in the work that we do at the Orsini Way, we always, when we're training physicians or healthcare providers, we always have a lay person in the room to talk about what it's like from that perspective. And I think for you to be able to articulate your pain in a way that is helpful to someone else going through their own pain without having to be clinical, without having to be medical, I think is really a gift that a lot of people don't possess. You put yourself in someone else's shoes, and especially if you've been there, it must be really hard to not only absorb their pain, but to keep kind of re-victimizing yourself. But I think the way that you articulate yourself is probably helpful. It's been helpful to me, and I know it's been helpful to so, so many. So talk to me about this new venture that you're about to embark on, because that sounds really perfect for you. You know, it's been a little over two years now since Izzy died. So yeah, I waited until I got after a year before I started any coaching. I started really slowly with that. And then I told myself, I just wanted to be cautious of that end of life space before I stepped into it too deeply. So earlier this month, I started end of life doula training. And then i just recently accepted a position as a hospice chaplain. And so my goal is to really pair those two things together and just sit in that sacred space with people before the end and then sit with caregivers after. So yeah, it's kind of the coupling 
of like my 10 years in ministry with my 10 years as a caregiver. That's an amazing combination considering that when you sit in that space with caregivers after, that's a space that from a spiritual side you can understand, but from an emotional side you understand as well. And that I'm sure will be an incredible gift to your future families. But for people that don't know, because I think a lot of people don't know exactly what a death doula is, can you share a little bit about what that is? Yeah. So a death doula, end of life doula is really just someone just like a birth doula that just supports someone through the dying process, starting as early as possible through planning what they want for the end and planning what they want for their legacy afterwards and being sure that the moment of death, I think it's such a sacred transition. And we tend to see that for birth, but we don't see that for death. And I had that opportunity with Izzy to plan what she wanted. And so to do that with a child, I realized like we all need that. And if we talked about death more, we could all have better end-of-life experiences. So I think a death duel is really there to advocate for a better end-of-life experience, recognizing that death is not just a medical event, spiritual event too. I agree. And there's been a very consistent theme in everyone that we've spoken to in this end-of-life space who's on this journey to help people at the end of their lives that the process needs to start sooner. Healthcare professionals need to advise families that will be going through this transition sooner than later and not be afraid to have this conversation because in the end, it really does help to have a plan to know what's next, to know and all of those things. And we have to stop hiding from those conversations. So that's something that Dr. Rossini and I are very passionate about. And like I said earlier, having guests on the show like hospice nurse Julia and BJ Miller and now the amazing Molly Maddox, we can continue to keep having that conversation. So if there was one thing, and I'm sure there's 101 things or maybe 1,001 things that people should know about grief and living with grief, is there one thing in particular that stands out to you? Yeah, and I really didn't know this either until Izzy died. I mean, I think we look at grief as this season of getting over loss and It's just not, that's not it at all. It's a season of getting used to loss. So we tend to think that grief is something that once we go through, we're going to recover and we're going to go back to the way we were before, but there's never a going back to the way we were before. I think anyone that has lost someone deeply would agree that you're the person that you were when they were alive and then you're the person that you were after they died. And so I just think it's so empowering to see it like that and to frame it like that and to give yourself permission to be this new version of you. This isn't a gloom and doom sentence. This is permission to be the new version of you, this version of you that will always carry loss. I completely agree with you. I just recently lost a very dear friend. And when I was talking to his wife about how to help their kids, That's exactly what I said to her. I said, you have to realize that they're a different person now. The person that they were before they lost their father is very different than the person that they are now. Personally, it's been 27 years since I lost my father. And I absolutely, 27 years later, still agree with that statement wholeheartedly. I am a different person today than I was 27 years ago. And 
it's not that you're a better person or a worse person. You're just a different person. And learning how to live in that new space with those new feelings is something that talking about and being able to kind of confront only helps you moving forward and only helps you help people in your life that love you moving forward. So I was hoping you were going to say that because I've heard you say (laughs) it before and it is perfect. So if we could turn back time, and I wish that we could, but if we could turn back time, what is something that you wish somebody had told you that you wish you knew then that you know now? I wish I knew that we could live with this kind of pain because I think that's what we're all so afraid of, right? The fear that I lived with for so many years, it's still odd to me to think of how dominating that fear and anxiety was. And really, it stole some of the years I had with Izzy because that fear of this was looming over me because I didn't think I could survive. I didn't think you could feel this kind of pain and keep living. And you can. And so, yeah, I wish I had known that. I wish I'd been able to receive that. Maybe somebody told me. I wish I'd been able to receive that early on so that I could have been more present. Yeah, I agree. We always ask our guests this question, and sometimes we forget to tell them, but I did not forget to tell you. And I imagine you could answer this question in many ways. So I'm going to ask you to share the way you're most comfortable, but because the name of the show is Difficult Conversations, what type of conversation or specific conversation has been the most difficult for you and how did you get through it? So I think the most difficult conversation I ever had was on... Take a second. ...was on May 6, 2020. That's when Izzy's doctor and I had to tell her that she was dying. And we thought she was dying very soon. Her disease had spread ridiculously fast and she no longer qualified for the trial. Um, We thought she was starting. So that was really, really horrible. She had just turned 12 and yeah, it was all the things you can imagine, you know. A few days later, we were able to get her started on the drug anyways. And so she went on to live till the following April. But in January, the treatment we were having was just so hard on her body. And we were at the place where the treatment was really doing more damage than the cancer, you know. And that January of 2021, her doctor took me down the hall and just had an amazing conversation with me about the end, you know. And just said, like, we're getting close to the end and you can have some say in what this looks like if you make some choices. If you don't, then it's just going to go down like this and you're going to come in for a hospitalization and she's not going to go home, you know? And so if you want to shape what the end looks like, you guys can. And so I, I went back to the, we talked for about an hour and then I went back to the hospital room and I told Izzy, you know, here's the deal. You can... I mean, I didn't say it quite this frankly, but I said, you can basically live for maybe another year that you'd have to be in the hospital all the time like this, or we could leave the hospital right now and never come back. And you'd maybe have another couple months. And she sat up in bed and she was so excited and she smiled and she said, yes, I want to do that. Please, can we leave? And I said, but you know, and she said, 
I know what it means. <clears throat> and we left and she died three months later. And so that was, well, that first conversation was difficult. That last conversation was difficult and also beautiful and amazing and gave her the end that she deserved and allowed her to have the end that she deserved. And I couldn't have had it with her, had um, her doctor not had a hard talk with me. Thank you for sharing that. I can't even begin to imagine how difficult that must have been. And but you've talked to me about Dr. Weiss before, and we're going to shout him out because why not? Amazing doctors doing amazing things. And do you feel that his ability to communicate with you in a way that was clear but compassionate helped give you the strength to have that conversation with Izzy? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he gave me the words that I needed and the knowledge that I needed. And also the compassion that I needed to tell me the whole truth. I think just as lay people are hesitant and terrified to have these kind of conversations, I can't imagine that as a physician, having to share that kind of news would be any easier, right? So we applaud Dr. Weiss because he helped you move forward in a way that you could live with and the way that Izzy could make decisions and live with as well. So we are grateful to you for sharing your story and spending some time with us. I am a better person for having met you. I understand myself better for having read your letters. And I'm really glad we're friends. How can someone get in touch with you if they need you? They can find me on Instagram. I change it from letters to lessons on living after loss, but they're all still out there. So that's probably the easiest way or they can go to my coaching page, mollymaddoxcoaching.com. Great. I encourage you all to visit mollymaddoxcoaching.com or her page on Instagram. Her tagline says, changing death one life at a time. And I believe that the conversations that Molly's willing to have and the grace in which she conducts them will help others learn how to carry their grief. And I'm so happy that you will continue on this journey, having these difficult conversations and helping others and joining us on this show. We will list all of Molly's contact information in the show notes so you don't have to worry if you're driving and want to write it down. We will do that for you. If you would like to reach Dr. Orsini or myself, please contact us at theorsiniway.com. We would love to hear from you. You can find this and all other episodes on your favorite podcast platform. We're basically on them all. And until next time, we will see you soon on Difficult Conversations. Lessons I learned as an ICU physician, even though I am not the ICU physician. Thanks for joining us, Molly. Thanks. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment and review. To contact Dr. Orsini and his team or to suggest guests for future podcasts, visit us at theorsiniway.com. The comments and opinions of the interviewer and guests on this podcast are their own and do not necessarily reflect the opinions and beliefs of their present and past employers or institutions.